Hey, welcome to Heirloom Radio, a different kind of oldies program. My name is John Lovering, and I'm happy to be your oldie host. Comedy Caravan was a radio show that featured Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore, two popular comedians of the 1940s. The show was also known as the Durante Moore Show or the Camel Comedy Caravan, depending on the sponsor. The show was a mix of jokes, sketches, songs, and Durante's famous catchphrase, That's my boy, that said that. One of the episodes of Comedy Caravan that was aired in 1945 is going to be played right now. The date of the actual broadcast was April 6, 1945. This is a rebroadcast of the Armed Forces Radio Service. Enjoy. Hello, Junior. This is Jimmy. Jimmy Durante, where are you? I'm at a drugstore. And boy, is there a beautiful girl in charge of the magazine. Well, what about it? Is it all right if I take a few liberties? Here's the comedy caravan starring Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore with music by Roy Bargie and his orchestra and songs by Georgia Gibbs. The Bargie men open the show with one of the season's top tunes. Hit it, Roy. Cosmetic is a powder, 
And a powder is a sedative. And a sedative is a dope. And here he is, that little cosmetic, Gary Moore. No. Thank you very much, Howard, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And Howard, Howard, I am happy to report that our new sponsor and I are already on a very friendly basis. You know, for, for a present, he gave me a modern two-piece smoking set. A modern two-piece smoking set? What's that? That's a long stick with a nail on the end of it. <laughs> Awfully nice of him, I thought. Oh, come now, Gary. The cigarette shortage isn't that bad. Oh, you think not, huh? At the store club last night, the cigarette girl kept walking through the crowd yelling, Cigarettes, cigarettes. Won't somebody please give me a drag off their cigarettes? <laughs> tell you, it's terrible. Well, what may I ask, were you doing at the store club? Why, Howard, hadn't you heard? They, they gave a great big party for us. And I hardly got seated before I saw Mayor LaGuardia walking in. Well, naturally, I wanted to impress the sponsor, so I walked over and I asked the mayor to join us. Now, Howard, do you know what he did? What? He looked up and laughed right in my knee. <laughs> Never so incensed. But never mind the, how, uh, the mayor, Howard, the Howard mayor. Let's, uh, let's find out how the audience feels about our new sponsorship. Let me see. Oh, this, this young lady over here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. No. Why, Mrs. Nussbaum! Why, indeed, it's Mrs. Nussbaum. You mistook me maybe for Lauren Bacall? <laughs> Mrs. Nussbaum, I'm delighted to see you. Are you a fan of our program? Mr. Moore, I never miss it. Oh, you don't. No, I never hear it, so I never miss it. <laughs> somehow, somehow, Mrs. Nussbaum, that line sounds familiar. You must listen to some other programs. But definitely that. By me, the favorite comedian on the radio is Fred Allen. But Fred Allen is off the air. That's why he's my favorite comedian. <laughs> I see. In, in other words, you prefer silent comedians. Mr. Morpheus. To me, the greatest man in radio. Carry on. To me, the greatest man in radio will be the man who first sponsors a half hour from silence. Of silence? Of a certain Just imagine, the announcer says, Needlemeyer's Noiseless Noodle Soup presents a half hour of silence. Starring Gene Krupa in a drum solo. Gene Krupa, but wouldn't that be terribly noisy? Not according to my plan. This drum solo who he plays by beating on a damp sponge with a feather. <laughs> this is no spam. I'm afraid you have something there. Meanwhile, couldn't you possibly say something nice about our program? Precisely why I am in the vicinity. Good. I have written tonight a poem dedicated to you. Well, isn't that nauseating? How does it, um... <laughs> how does it go? Like this. Mm -hmm. Roses are red, violets are blue... Fred Allen's off the air. How about you, no? <laughs> and with this encouraging message, I suggest we turn to the one and only Jimmy Durante in person. You gotta start off the page with a song. A solid. Now even when things go wrong. Sing it, Jimmy. You feel better. You even look better. Huh? What an operatic note. That's the note that made the Metropolitan go into the insurance business. <laughs> oh, snuzz, snuzz. I'm glad to see that you're in good shape for this inauguration of our new sponsorship. You know, my mother wanted me to be a pharmacist, and my father wanted me to be a musician. And now I've satisfied them both. 
Jimmy, I don't understand. You are neither a pharmacist nor a musician. Well, almost. I stand in front of drugstores and whistle at girls. <laughs> I'll bet you do. Well, Jimmy, look, uh, since, since we've been to New York, have you met any new or exciting femme fatales? Yes, and women, too. <laughs> Why, you can hardly believe the happenstance that happened to me the other night. What's that? What a happenstance. I was loitering in a smart cafe, and at 9 o'clock, a beautiful blonde dancer came out wearing an evening gown. At 10 o'clock, she came out wearing a bathing suit. At 11 o'clock, she came out wearing nothing but a fan. And at 12 o'clock... Yeah, what happened at 12 o'clock? Curfew, everybody home. <laughs> That's the Manhattan conditions that prevail. <laughs> but tonight, Junior, I'm really fixed up. You are. Right after the broadcast, I'm going out with Dolores. It's a double date. A double date? Yes, Dolores weighs 200 pounds. <laughs> There's good news tonight. <laughs> Jimmy, sometimes I think you're the world's champion idiot. Yes, but if you put on a little weight, I'll give you a crack at the title. <laughs> Howsoever, that is neither one meat nor Lucille Ball. <laughs> I was sitting in my living room last night wearing my diver's suit. You see, I have a sunken living room. <laughs> when who should arrive from Washington my own personal pigeon? Carry a pigeon? No, thanks. I'll carry my own. <laughs> And who do you think the note was from, Junior? That? It was from the head of the Library of Congress in Washington. It says, Durani, the Library of Congress has statues of every important American, and we want a statue of you. Well, that's marvelous to me. What, uh, what artist did you get to do the statue? Well, you know, I know quite a few, mm -hmm. but I didn't know what artist to select. So I wrote the names of eight or nine of them on slips of papers and dropped them into my hat. Then I reached in and pulled out one of the slips. Oh, good. Who did you pick out? Some guy by the name of Six and Seven Eights. <laughs> But I couldn't find his name in the phone book, so uh, I decided to make the statue myself. You did. The first thing I did was go down to an art store and buy a hammer and a... A hammer and a... Chisel? No, I paid what he asked. <laughs> I was in no mood to dick it. I see. Then I got a big lump of clay. I got a big lump of clay and brought it to the studio. Just then, the fellow from Washington came in to see how I was getting on. Well, what did he say? He looked at me, looked at the lump of clay, looked at me, then looked at the lump of clay again and said... A masterpiece I can hardly tell you apart. <laughs> we both had a hearty chuckle, and then I chased them down the fire escape. I see, I see. Oh, hello. For whom does the Alexander Graham Bell toll? Hello, Umbriago. I got you one ticket from here to Buffalo. Another ticket from Buffalo to Chicago. Another ticket from Chicago to Denver. Another ticket from Denver to Salt Lake City. And another ticket from Salt Lake City to San Francisco. Goodbye and adios. Jimmy, why did you arrange this trip with so many short jumps? With Umbriago's draft board, we can't plan too far ahead. <laughs> but be that as it may, June or July. Yes. Where were we? I'm afraid, James, we were talking about your statue. Oh, yes. Not wishing to waste any time on my statue, I called up the Powers Agency and told them to send over one of his most beautiful models. Oh, Jimmy, how can you be so stupid? It was a statue of you. What do you want with a beautiful model? And my boy calls me stupid. <laughs> anyway, the finishing date for my statue was fast approaching. Yeah. So I locked myself in my studio with my hammer and my chisel and my candy-striped smock with the marshmallow buttons. <laughs> and after three weeks, I emerged with the finished statue. To make me happy, Congress decided to unveil the statue on 42nd Street in my own native metropolitan of New York. 
And Junior, on the day of the unveiling, crowds were gathered all the way up to 59th Street to see my statue. Oh, wait a minute. How could they see from there all the way down to 42nd Street? The statue was at 42nd Street, but the nose reached up to 59th Street. <laughs> now you know that you can't go wrong. in the orchestra now in a Roy Bargy arrangement of El Relicario. Gary, the time has come for you to tell the folks what's in the culture corner tonight. That I shall gladly do, James. Tonight, friends, it is my privilege to get our new series off to a real start by presenting a young man who we think is a fine artist, handsome, talented, and appealing. But above all, it's his fine singing voice that has made him a star. And I think perhaps a little applause we can get him to, uh, get him to come out here and sing us a song. How about it all together? Come on, come on. Passionately, Beulah Bang Bustle. <laughs> and I shall never forget the day we met. 
I was vacuuming the rug in my bachelor quarters and I pushed the vacuum under the Davenport when I heard a grinding noise and the motor began to strain. I opened the bag to clean it out. And there you were, my son. <laughs> yes, there you were and you lay there, darling, blinking happily up at me through the dust and lint. And when I took you in my arms, <laughs> what a fuzz you made over me. <laughs> And I looked down at you. I looked down at you, darling, so alluring you were, so absolutely tempting with that damp cigarette butt dangling from your left ear. And behind your left ear, behind your left ear, darling, was your right ear. How about, how about so youthful you looked, so eager and youthful with your hair falling down over your shoulders, and your shoulders falling down over your hips, and your hips. Oh, but I could go on like this forever. But I knew, I knew my angel, I knew that this was it. We were fated to be wed. So I spoke to you, my voice just bubbling with happiness, joy, and C-R-E-S-T-A. B-L-E-N-C-A. Cresta Blanca. Cresta Blanca. <laughs> I said to you, Beulah, Beulah, I said, will you run away with me and get married? And you said, I'd love to, Tyrone, but my feet are tired. How oh, but I soon fixed that. We were married standing in two tubs of hot water. It was a double ring ceremony. <laughs> oh, and, oh, and we were so happy, darling. We were so happy. My friends didn't like you at first. They said you were mean. Just because you like to go around pushing old ladies into buzz saws. How oh, but... Ah, but I remember the fun we had, putting the pieces together to see if it was anyone we knew. <laughs> yes, we... We could have been happy, my darling, but then... It happened. We were canoeing our way down a placid stream, as gentle and calm as a twilight caress. We should have noticed, of course, that the current was growing more swift, and above all, we should have noticed that threatening rumble as though of distant thunder. And suddenly I realized... Around the bend of the stream, a waterfall 900 feet high. In three seconds, we were being swept along at a breathtaking speed. Paddle, Bula, I shouted. Paddle, darling, we'll be smashed to bits on the rocks below. No, no, Bula, you scared me. That music means anything, we're due at this moment for a visit from her nibs, Miss Gibbs. Right you are, my fuzzy-headed friend. <laughs> and I've got a song tonight that I could dedicate to you if you were twins. What's it called? More and more. Oh, no. <laughs> if it won't hurt your feelings, I might say it's a little bit prettier than you. Hmm. Her nibs, Miss Gibbs. <laughs> more and more, this heart of mine Confessing More and more I'm caught in your Caressing Warmed by the Breath of your
I'm less and less unwilly To give up wanting more and more of you Life on the Waterfront. End title. The Ferry Boat Captain's Daughter, or She Didn't Want the Fog to Lift Because She Knew Her Slip Would Be Showing. <laughs> <laughs> That's my boy who said that. <laughs> but tell me, Garrison. Yes. Ain't that somebody knocking on the door? Either that or the termites are having a jam session. Come in. Oh, Mr. Durante, there you are, there you are, there you are, there you are, there you are. This dame leaves me no room for argument. Gentlemen, I am a reporter from the Bronx Daily Eagle. Well, pull up your feathers and sit down. <laughs> My paper wants me to do a story about you and Mr. Durante. I understand that tonight marks the start of your third year on the air together. That's right. And you can tell your readers uh, that it seems Junior and me were meant to be partners. Yes, James, it was fate. Destiny, kismet. Wait a minute. What did you say? I said kismet, kismet. Well... This is most embarrassing, but go ahead, pucker her up. First of all, I wish you'd tell me how the team of Moore and Durante was born. Well, it all began a couple of years ago. Jimmy and I didn't know each other then, but one day we were both asked to star on the same program. Well, I walked into the office and I said, Hello, my name is Moore. I tell jokes, play the piano, and sing. My name is Durante. I tell jokes, play piano, and sing, too. Well, let's shake. Let's shake. Oh! Ah! I forgot to tell you, I also do jujitsu. But after that, you became pals, and now you like each other, eh? Oh, indeed we do. In fact, madame, if a question of money comes up, we shake hands and forget it. If a question of jokes comes up, we shake hands and forget it. And if a pretty girl comes between us, we shake hands and... Yes? Ouch! Since then, I've learned jujitsu, too. <laughs> 
And you mean that nothing has been able to dissolve your association? No, madam, not even that time in 1943, when that new girl moved into the apartment next to ours and... Uh... Gee, Garrison, it sure is sweet of you to take me to a nightclub tonight. Oh, it's, it's nothing, really. But don't you think you ought to buy me some gardenias for my hair? Gardenias, fish, toss, just say the right word and I'll make it orchid. Wonderful. Oh, sorry, that's not the right word. <laughs> Would you care to try again? Wait a minute, what's going on here? Good heavens, it's my other boyfriend, Jimmy Durante. What a situation, the infernal triangle. <laughs> triangle, nothing. Whenever you're going out with me tonight, why, I'm worth a half million dollars. Mad chicken feed, I'm worth two million dollars. Now, boys, don't argue, please. I'll decide the whole thing by flipping a quarter. Mm -hmm. Oh, good heavens, the quarter rolled under the radiator. Now, which one of you is going to take me out? You're going out alone. We're staying here until we find that quarter. <laughs> a lot of strange things together. And not only that, we've seen a lot of strange people. Well, on with the story of Durante and Moore. Ah, yes. In 1944 came the gasoline shortage. So that year I drove my car while Jimmy kept his in the garage. And the following year I put my car away and Jimmy took his out. Okay, Jimmy, give her the gas. We're late for rehearsal now. You know something, Junior? I've got a funny feeling that I forgot something. Oh, well, let's go. Jimmy, can't you go any faster? I told you we were late to rehearsal. Okay, Junior, I'll step on it. But I still got that funny feeling I forgot something. Now I remember. I forgot how to drive. Well, well, so that's the story of Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore. I must say that although its inauguration was been auspicious, your histrionic amalgamation has been meteoric in its success, and your personal affiliation is comparable to a veritable Damon and Pythias. You said it. I don't know what you said, but you said it. <laughs> My dear young lady, I believe this whole situation can be summed up in the following words, like this. Will you join us? We're closer than Damon and Pythias. Much closer than Damon and Pythias. You're closer than Damon and Pythias. And here's hoping we'll always be with you. Yes, we're pals. We're pals. We're chums. We're chums. We're pals. We're pals. We're chums. We're as close as the shell on an oyster. Just as close as the shell on an oyster. You're as close as the shell on an oyster. If you're asking me, things could be oyster. Ah, oh, yes. Ah, oh, yes. Indeed. Indeed. C.C. C.C. May we. We may be pals, but I'm still in the habit of breathing. Jimmy and Gary will be back in a moment. Roy Bargey in the orchestra now in a Roy Bargey arrangement of the Karaoke. Thank you. 
Mr. Moore. And don't forget, Jimmy, we're leaving for California tonight. Tell you what I'll do. I'll meet you at Grand Central Station at 12 o'clock tonight. Oh, how they love me at the Grand Central Station. They do. The last time I walked at the Grand Central to take a train, 16 men picked me up and carried me on their shoulders the whole length of the station. Oh, fans of yours who wanted to see you off? No, janitors who wanted to keep the floor clean. <laughs> I'm afraid that's my Jimmy who said that. See you in Hollywood, Mr. Durant. See you in Hollywood, Mr. Moore. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Listen to the Comedy Caravan next week when, once again, we'll bring you the music of Roy Bargy and his orchestra, songs by Georgia Gibbs, and laughs by... Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore. In person. This is Howard Petrie saying, we'll see you there. Forces Radio Service.